John 20. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw the stone that had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen clothes lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen clothes lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen clothes, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. Thank you so much, Father, that it was in your heart and mind before the foundation of the world to send Jesus to save us. Thank you, Lord, that you chose the twelve to follow you, Lord, and that you empowered them to continue to proclaim your word. And it's here this day, Lord, that we stand receiving your word, and Father, having met you, following you, seeking you, because of your sacrifice of your son, Jesus. And Lord, we, we rejoice today. We are in a good, a good place. And we give you thanks for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jackie. Jackie proved to me that she had a paper Bible earlier, but it's uh, bigger print's easier to read up here. And she's not quite ready for a large print Bible. All right, so Jesus is the treasure that our hearts are seeking. Our hearts constantly seeking after treasure, and there is one that stands above all of them, and it is Jesus. And this morning at our home at the Schrader house, you have to know that there was a little bit of a treasure hunt that went on, and maybe there was one at your home as well. At our house, it's anticipated every year, uh, and the benefactors of this hunt acquired gifts 
that were sweet to the tongue and smooth to the touch. And it's not a terribly difficult hunt, especially when you live in a thousand square foot home, but they had to give an effort to determine where their treasure was with minimal clues as to its location. And I should tell you that one of the children found all three of the treasures, but had to discern with clues which of the three was hers. No, no name on it. She had to figure it out. But you did, didn't you, right? Because I can, I, yeah, okay. The clue was interesting. I give really bad clues. If I'm ever in charge of your treasure hunt, be ready for it. But I can report that each of them, not only her, but all of the kids found their treasure and joy ensued for everyone involved. And of course, I'm just talking about Easter baskets. Do you guys do Easter baskets at your house? Uh, but I think... The, the fun of hiding and finding Easter baskets every year for us points to what is essentially a human inclination that is meant to lead somewhere truly glorious. That we like to hunt, we like to find, and we love treasure hunting. And the possibility of loot being discovered piques our interest in whether we are actual hunters or just someone watching other hunters at work as spectators. We anticipate the finding. It's a letdown. If somebody's on a treasure hunt, they're telling us the story, and they never find the treasure that was so close, right? It's what drives the Goonies. If you haven't seen the Goonies, tell your parents they're bad parents. Um, it's what generations of people have been trying to do. Do you guys know the secret? The, the book where this guy hid 12 gems across North America and had images and... No, he didn't hide gems, but you got a gem if you found the box. I, I don't... She has to sit here to correct me. I wouldn't get through it if she didn't, right? But so there's this whole book and you can map out all these treasures and they've only found three of them. So there's more to be found. If you want the book, I'll sell it to you. Um, because we haven't found any, right? But it's, it's the hope that we have that... We'll find something at the end of the rainbow or where the the spot that the X marks, right? While it's easy to see treasure hunting, it's just hunger for gold and gems, for material things. The truth is that humanity has a built-in hunting mechanism. You're equipped, designed on purpose that you would hunt, that you would always be searching, always seeking treasure. That which will finally satisfy your soul and your heart and what you long for. And that which will answer the hurt, ease the pain, and prove the point of our existence. And I bet if we're honest, if we think through our lives, each one of us has been hunting in some way this last week ourselves. And many of the treasures that we chase after are good but many at the same time deceive us and we fall for essentially what are booby traps that leave us ensnared. But you are made to hunt for treasure. Like if you don't take anything out, I mean, I'm going to tell you what the treasure is, so don't, don't stress. But know that you were made to hunt for treasure. But the treasure is not always what we think it is supposed to be. And each one of us is living a treasure hunt. And the truth is that some of us realize it. Some of us have been familiar with the real treasure, but some of us are still figuring it out. And so we're going to all walk together this morning on Resurrection Sunday. 
This Easter is the perfect day to know the treasure that actually matches the deepest longings of your soul. So from the account of Christ's resurrection, we witness those that were seeking and have found hope in Jesus. And this is what we want to reflect upon on this glorious resurrection Sunday. So what's the context? What's happening in John 20 when Jesus asks his follower, whom do you seek? Reading John 20 is like starting at the end of a good book. It is, in fact, a really good book, right? Reaching the pivotal moment in the story without understanding the characters that are involved and what is really on the line in the story. But this is the result. When we get to John 20, the result of Jesus's ministry, all that he had done, all that he had proclaimed, the Messiah promised in the old writings had come. This hope for a king was before them. And he's born a child in the muck of creation. He faithfully lives this extraordinary, sinless life through really ordinary life itself. And he eventually began to preach, to teach to those that would listen of the coming of the kingdom of God. That which had been anticipated for so long that it had almost become a forgotten memory to God's people. And Jesus was unlike any other religious leader. He talked of relationship with the Father, with our Creator, with God in heaven. And he empowered the, uh, just the average person, no matter who you were, to reach God in prayer. He's a prophet, not for the elite of society, but who called the outcast to himself, showing their value, their worth as humans. There were miracles. The untouchables were restored. The sick were healed. The dead brought to life. All of it was confirming the things that he taught with authority. But all that had happened in that ministry was just too much for those in charge. And he was put to death. He was tortured on a cross as a traitor, as a blasphemer before God. And we learn that this death was actually for us as believers, to solve our guilt for rejecting God, that there would now be relationship restored with our Creator. But the experience of that day casts for His followers this dark shadow. Because all of their dreams were seemingly dashed on the cross. The one they had heard teach of the kingdom, the King Himself, was killed. They wondered, has this good thing come to an end? They spent all of Saturday waiting, wishing, with hope fading in those moments. But in this story of John 20, of seeking, we see essentially what I think are two keys that free us to find Jesus and hope in Him. First, it's that just seeking is human. It's natural. You were made for it. And so this is, let's do, here's you. Do you guys know what this is? A treasure map. Let's put some mountains there. Let's put rivers. This is boxy. I don't have good drawing. But this is, this is our treasure map. X or the cross marks the spot, right? But in the tension of a Saturday of waiting, 
These disciples of Jesus know they are incomplete without him, right? And if they don't know precisely why, they know there's something missing. That it's not supposed to be as it is being experienced in this moment. And in the pivotal moment of the story, the two meant to be, um, to, to keep the miracle working, Jesus in it, this teacher, the king who has come, is actually empty. His body is not there. And we see Mary Magdalene coming to finish the preparations for the burial that were cut short by the Sabbath when you could not do work. And instead of Jesus' body, she sees that the stone was rolled away. And she runs from there to Simon Peter and to John and to other followers of Jesus. And we hear it from John himself. So Peter went out with the other disciple. That's John. He's writing about himself in this moment. And they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. John's fast. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloth lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. And he saw the linen cloth lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloth, but folded up in a place by itself. And then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. I love that Jesus is risen from the dead and he's beginning his work of renewal. And the first thing he does is tidy up. He folds the face cloth. Like he gets back to work immediately. I love it. But Mary has simply come to accomplish a task. She knows it's the right thing to do, to honor her rabbi, to dress his body so it would have a different fragrance. But he's not there, and it's this spark in the darkness of waiting that launches the disciples to run to the tomb. I think that's a very important point. It's not just that John's saying, I'm faster than Peter. But there was such anticipation that they ran in an undignified way to get there, to see for themselves. From the fulfillment they felt when they were with Jesus. The truth that he proclaimed. The hope of his kingdom. They want more in this moment. And they seek after him. For those that knew him, they couldn't help but seek him. And soon they would give their lives to seek and share him with others. That's how the story will unfold. That's how you know who Jesus is today. It's totally a human response to seek. We come with what is a built-in longing. There's something about us that keeps us pursuing. Every rock in our lives is overturned until we find that that will match what stirs inside of us. There is truthfully an endless list of things that our hearts attempt to cling to for wholeness and things that we think we can trust, things we think we should give our lives to. And all of it, all of those things just indicate that we are actually seeking after God. It's a human impulse to seek after God. And in the depth of our soul, we're actually made for it. Now, we confuse the longings in our hearts for other things. And we end up worshiping idols of self and created things. And Paul himself, he's in Athens during his ministry. And he's among people that have turned to other things for satisfaction. Their, their wisdom, their ways of worship. And he says to all the wise that are gathered at, the, at Mars Hill. He says, so Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. 
For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And here it is. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God, perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he's actually not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Their seeking is all for God. It's how they were designed and made to be. And the truth is he can be found. Jesus comes and he tells those that believe in him, if they seek him, they will find him, right? In in a parable or story about prayer, he says, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you, for everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. Oh, that our seeking would be sanctified in him and that we'd find that our hearts actually long for is that it's Jesus. Prophet Isaiah said, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Good Friday is the pardon granted. Easter is the invitation to seek the treasure that satisfies. He was found that Sunday, and he can be found today. It's why we gather. It's what we proclaim. It's what we seek after. And so the second key from our text, that Jesus is the treasure. You guys know what this is? A heart. But it's a heart that's that got a hole in it. It needs to be filled with something. Get that? That's a heart with a cross in it, which is kind of weird. It's like a stake through. You get it. Jesus fills the hole in your heart. Does that make sense? (laughs) Okay, good. Right. So, uh, not from that picture. Come on. I didn't want to do a graven image and try to draw Jesus' face right. But so after John and Simon return home in our text. Mary, we see she lingers, right? And she has an encounter with Jesus that gives us essentially, I think, the same hope that she experienced in that moment. And it's an invitation for her and for us to the resurrection life that Jesus gives. And we have to wonder, like, why is she there? Why did John tell us about Mary Magdalene being there? What is her story? We've First hear about Mary at the outset of Jesus' ministry in Luke 8, right? Jesus went on through cities and villages proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene from whom seven demons had gone out. 
So there are all kinds of rumors about who Mary was, and but we're, we're told right here in Scripture that she's is from Magda. That's her uh, place of lineage, given her name, and that she had seven demons cast out of her by Jesus. Like, just think of that, the, the significance of that. I don't, have, I don't know, any of our stories indicate that a demon was cast out of us, maybe. If that's your story, I want to hear it, right? But she lived essentially seeking treasure in all the wrong places, and it left her broken. And she's got seven demons to to prove the point that the treasures she was after were not actually the treasures her heart needed. And we can only imagine the torment she was under before she met Jesus, the struggle, having no end inside, at a place of no hope. And then Jesus intervened, and she gave her life to follow him. If Jesus casts out seven seven demons from him, you should follow him. He is worthy of your life. And in a world where she was unvalued, unseen in how we speak of things, Jesus gave her a place and a purpose. And she followed him to the foot of the cross, where most of the men that followed after Jesus ran away in fear. She stayed there watching her rabbi die. The feet of Jesus. And here she is, returned to care for him still. And just think, oh, her grief at his death. The fear, those demons going to come back, right? Having heard his teaching, seen his miracles, ministered alongside him, and he's gone. Her hope is erased by a Roman cross. And we can have a sense of this devastating grief only because we too, just like Mary Magdalene, live in a world that is painful. Where anxiety and violence rule. Where loss is part of the human story. Where there's confusion, greed, abuse of power. All these things that we come face to face with every day in our lives. But it's at the end of hope that Jesus rushes in. We see it in the story. They have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. And having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him a gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary, everything changes the moment Jesus says her name, right? It's a parable experienced in her life where Jesus described himself as the shepherd. He says, he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Oh, that we would know his voice, what it must have been like to have Jesus say her name. But that experience is not meant just for Mary. It is now a spiritual reality for all those that Jesus still calls upon today. 
One writer says, casting herself before the risen Lord, she would have clasped his feet. But he said, do not cling to me. Thrilled at having Jesus alive again, Mary's love was of a nature which leaned upon the human presence of Jesus. Along with the other disciples, Mary, too, had to learn how to rise to a higher and at the same time a nearer but spiritual communion with him. Her earthly affection needed to be elevated into a heavenly love. Because he's risen. And this spiritual communion is for all who believe in him. That he handled your sin of rejecting God and making yourself king. That he gave his flesh to be broken for you and shed his blood for you as a new covenant of grace. Redemption secured by the only true God for you. And Jesus is the treasure we long for. It's what our hearts beat for. It's the desire that's deepest in our soul. And becoming spiritually united with him, his righteousness, his inheritance, his security is our treasure. And Mary becomes a witness immediately proclaiming, I have seen the Lord. The resurrected king reigns and now he can be known. And so we announce on Easter Sunday and every Sunday and every day in between, we have seen the Lord. He reigns and can be known. This is the extravagant hope of the resurrection to see Jesus, to believe in him and to then live. The resurrection and the calling of Christ moves us. From what is just that general hope, we always see the football games holding up John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. But the resurrection moves that just from a general hope to the personal reality expressed in Galatians 2. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is what the resurrection delivers for us, and you can believe it. It's true. It happened. Because honestly, if Jesus did not raise from the dead, you would have never heard of it. This is real hope. This is the solution to every iota of pain that we experience. This is the place of identity, of fulfillment, of peace. He is the Lord that you can give everything over to. He is the answer to all of our seeking. He is the treasure that our hearts long for. And it's meant for you. This resurrection, the revelation of Jesus in Scripture, the hope that he has placed in others around you, they are all him calling your name. You would know that you found the treasure, that redemption would be yours. Jesus is the treasure our hearts are seeking. Whom are you seeking this morning? Like Mary turned to Jesus in response, will you turn to him and make him the most important thing about you? That you too may announce with joy, I have seen the Lord. Because he is 
the prize for all who seek after him and find him, for he is not far from us. The amazing grace of the cross and resurrection of Jesus, a Savior that calls us by name, a purpose of making him known, bringing renewal to others in all things in a future of eternity with him. Treasure found. Let's seek him together, shall we? Will you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you that you can be found. That you've equipped us as seeking beings. That you've ordered the periods of time we live, the place in which we live, all that we would seek after God. All that we would seek after you. And for many of us, you've brought us and met us in that seeking. You've revealed yourself. Lord, there's some of us even here this morning that we've been seeking for all of the answers, for all the things of our comfort, our identity, that will finally solve the ache deep within. But we've been looking in the wrong place. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would reveal to us that Jesus is the treasure. He's what our hearts have longed for. And we ask, Lord, that you would speak their name clearly to them that they would come to you. Just as Mary recognized you when you spoke her name. That your kingdom would go forth. That your glory would be known. In Jesus' name, amen.